Henry and Jordan, it has been really an absolute joy to be with you and your families here this morning. You have each shown up so well today, chanting and leading and teaching us Torah in really important ways. Henry, we hear in your words a real empathy for the Israelites who built the golden calf, understanding that they were afraid even as they made some very bad choices. And Jordan, we hear you asking whether we are like God or God is like us and who is emulating whom and why. These existential questions help us think about what it means to be godly and even what it means to be human. So let's hold on to both of these ideas for a moment. I want to take us to a part of this Torah portion that relates to both of your messages, in fact, needs both of your messages. It starts grim, but it gets better. That is your warning. So as we now know, our people in this Torah portion build the golden calf, a reaction to their fear that Moses will never return from the mountain. It's a pretty low point in our story. The text says that after the calf is built, the people make animal sacrifices to it, and then yakumu litzachek, they get up to play, and the text is rendered to dance. They dance and dance around the calf in celebration. But this is not a light-hearted dance. There's no one being lifted up in a chair, laughing as the chopped liver is being served. We can kind of picture this kind of dancing. It's desperate and chaotic. It becomes violent. They're whipped up into a frenzy in which they try to drown out the pounding anxiety of their hearts with the pounding rhythm of their feet. Up on the mountain, still talking with Moses, God realizes what's happening and is angry. And God sends Moses back down. And when he finds this scene, he throws to the ground the tablets on which God has just written the Ten Commandments, and they shatter. It's a very tense moment in Torah. But this, this violent dancing out of fear and cynicism pushes God and Moses to the brink. This moment echoes another just about a year earlier for this people, these same people, were crossing the Sea of Reeds from the Egyptian shore to the wide open expanse of freedom. And a Midrash comes to tell us that seeing the waters close in on the Egyptian army, the angels were about to break into celebratory song when God silenced them, saying, how dare you sing for joy when my creatures are drowning in the sea? Even though this was a people upon whom God had just unleashed ten plagues. It was abhorrent to God that the angels might celebrate their death. This is why at the Passover Seder, we take ten drops from our wine when reciting the plagues to reduce our own joy because the celebration of suffering is not permitted ever. Dancing and singing and celebrating is a huge and gorgeous part of Jewish tradition. And it is not permitted as a violent response to fear or out of revenge or spite or to celebrate the pain of another person. We are not meant to dance 
with dark purpose. How painful it was then when on this past Monday night on Purim, we read that settlers in Israel returned to the Palestinian village of Huwara to do just this. Last week, Rabbi Timoner shared that in response to the devastating murder of two Jewish young men, some Israeli settlers led a pogrom through Huwara, bringing violence and terror to the Palestinian people there. She shared our collective heartbreak about this morally bereft action. And then this week, some settlers returned there Monday night to wreak further havoc, but also to dance and sing in the village. Their dance, like the dance around the calf, was not a dance of joy. Their song was not a song of hope. It was frenetic and desperate, spiteful, fear-driven, cynical dance with dark purpose. And it was a bouchah. It was a shameful act. I felt shame when I read about it. So what do we do with all this? It's tempting to say, that's not who we are. But they are part of us. And for some people in Israel-Palestine, that is how they've experienced Israeli occupation in their villages. But we can say, that is not done in my name. That is not the Judaism that I live, that we live. We can denounce it. We can call it the moral stain that it is. We can financially support all of the organizations and people in Israel that are working to heal the lives and bodies of those in Huara who have been working for decades for peace. And we can say we will not accept this dance with dark purpose. In this Torah portion, there is a second building project it's called the Mishkan, and it's the small structure that we will carry with us throughout the wilderness. We've heard of it already, but this week, its construction begins, and a foreman is assigned to the task. The Mishkan is considered the antidote to the golden calf, a balm for the pain that it brought, an atonement for its grave mistake. While the calf is built from fear, the Mishkan is built out of hope for their future. While the calf is meant to stay in one place and never be moved, the Mishkan points the people forward towards a better world, towards redemption. While the calf is built from gold, demanded by Aaron, the Mishkan is built with a tapestry of materials, purple and blue and crimson thread, silver and gold and wood and incense, all given willingly as the people's hearts so move them. While the calf was built by Aaron alone, the Mishkan would be built collaboratively with the hands of every artist, every person with skill and heart and a desire to be part of this. The calf bred violence. The Mishkan made room for love and community with rituals connecting people to people and people to God. And who was the foreman put in charge of this vision? God chose an artist named Betzalel Ben-Uri Ben-Hur. It was chanted, his name was chanted here this morning. Betzalel, son of Ori, grandson of Hur. So the commentators come in and they ask, why is Betzalel named all the way back to his grandfather? That's just not normative practice. So they explain that his grandfather, Hur, he tried to stop 
those who were dancing violently around the calf. He tried to pull them back from the brink, and he was killed there. But in his name, his grandson would go on to build this structure of hope and future that pulled our people back from the brink, back from cynicism and violence and fear and helped them face forward, face one another, and redefine their dance. We here at CBE are building a mishkan, like Betzalel and all the people did. And it is also an antidote to cynicism and fear and actions that we know do not define our Judaism. It's also collaborative and inclusive, welcoming of all people whose heart so moves them to be part of building vital Jewish life. Our Mishkan also weaves together all different threads and materials and peoples and stories to create a narrative that is full and vibrant. Our Mishkan also points us towards a better world as it calls for us to care for the most vulnerable, to feed the hungry, to fight for justice, and to protect our planet. And it is also full of ritual that draws us towards one another and towards God. On that very night in Huara, this room was full to the top of Purim costumed folks, young and old, with singing and laughing and Megillah reading and inflatable dinosaurs dancing long into the night. And it wasn't a cynical dance, but it was a joyful dance. Our Mishkan is right here this morning, where two young men took the mantle of this tradition, surrounded by family and friends, some Jewish, some lovingly Jewish adjacent, all part of the Mishkan. And we're part of this incredible vision of hope and joy and community. Like that Mishkan, this Mishkan is an antidote, a healing balm. Henry, in your Devar Torah, you asked us to be empathic towards those who danced around the calf. And you are right. We must be. We are all of us only human, and it is on us to empathize and see them in their full humanity and know that every person has a way back through tshuva. And Jordan, you noted that God can sometimes be a violent God in our Torah, and people can be a mirror image, violent people. But God can also be a forgiving God, and people can be a mirror image, forgiving people. Our Mishkan would not be worth much without these critical lessons of the heart. Because if we don't have these values that you taught here this morning, our Mishkan becomes mighty kafi, mighty quickly. So we pray. May the Mishkanic community that we build here together be one of compassion and empathy, of justice and welcome and love, of open hearts and understanding, May it be a project that makes our next generation proud and is built with them. And may our Mishkan help us point ourselves towards a hopeful horizon. Yashar to both of you today for elevating this space into a joyful celebration. Shabbat Shalom. <laughs>